0: In today's parsha, the rabbis debate whether Joseph is arrogant or whether he isn't. Rashi and many of the rabbis take the position that he is arrogant. They find that even though he's called 17 years old, he's then called a na'ar, which means something like a young, what I would call today a tween, a young teenager. And they say it means he's a little bit immature, and it probably means he likes to put on makeup and look good. We find that later with the incident with Potiphar's wife, that he seems to take pleasure in his appearance, uh, like a teenager, and that bragging about his dreams before his brothers is probably a sign of arrogance. Other rabbis, and I can count myself in the second camp, see Joseph Yosef as... um, They don't put it this way, but I think you and I would say that he is someone who is on the spectrum. And what that means is that he is brilliant, and he is meant to lead, and he has capabilities no one else has. But one thing that he does not have is the ability to understand others' reactions to his own behavior. So for him, I had this dream, and others say, are you trying to say you're trying to take over? His, and he doesn't say yes. He says, I'm just telling you my dream. Now, I gave a sermon on that last year, so I, I, don't, I won't spell it out again. But it reminds me, is he this arrogant person who, for those rabbis who say he is, they say he learns his lessons, lessons God intended him to learn. Just as in your life, you should view the challenges that you face as opportunities for learning and growing so that you end up being able at the end of the Joseph saga to say, I realized I was put on this earth to save lives. And so everything I suffered at least enabled me to do that and then have reconciliation. The interesting thing is we don't know whether he's arrogant, because arrogance is a matter in some ways or always about intent. And the Torah doesn't tell us what Yosef was intending to do by his actions. I look at social media today and something that my family is not, I, maybe the words not yet, but I'm hoping it stays not involved with because I worry and I, that when you provi- when you create personas that share pictures of yourselves and perhaps talk about successes And achievements that you're sharing the question is do others view that with the intent that you are bragging or that you are arrogant and we don't know the intent of the person that posts the intent could be far from that like the rabbis who defend Joseph why should you assume that that's his intent he is sharing his light. Some of the rabbis connected to Hanukkah, and they say the problem, of course, is with the others, not with Joseph, because when someone is sharing their successes, why do you have to feel jealous of that? That's coming from the brothers, not from you, and they relate it to Hanukkah, which is if one candle is able to really fill a room with light, why should you be jealous of the candle? You should be able to say, God bless the candle. And I think it was Rav Shlomo Karla Bach that pointed out, it's one of the few vote that if you didn't light candles yet and you're walking down the street and you see someone else's light, you can make your bracha for Hanukkah over the light you see in someone else's window. Because you want to bless the light coming out of that home and not be jealous of it. Besides social media, I wonder about selfies. Right, I asked Lynn about two weeks ago, when the girls get older, should we have a rule that only one selfie a day, or is that too many? Is taking a selfie, per se, to say, look at me? Isn't it? You know, and then I wonder how that changes a person, but what is the person's intent? So the main thing I wanna say today may surprise you because it's gonna sound very far from those topics. What's the proper way to do the blessings for an Aliyah? What does that have to do with intent? Actually, it has a lot to do with it, so I'm gonna share a little bit of Talmud and Jewish law with you. We're a halachic movement, and I don't think we should always save halacha for the back room in a lesson. So what does the Talmud say about having an aliyah? The Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud, the authoritative Talmud that we, from Megillah 32a. Our rabbis taught one who comes to the Torah for an aliyah, opens the Torah scroll, sees the place where one begins to read, rolls the scroll to close it, and then does the blessing. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda, however, says, one who comes to the Torah for an aliyah opens the scroll, sees the place where one begins to read, and recites the blessing forthwith. What is Rabbi Meir's reasoning for this? Well, he's trying to follow the statement of Ullah, For Ullah said, why did the prior rabbis say one who reads the Torah should not eat the Maturgamon, the translator? So remember, the printing press was not yet invented. The Torah would be read in Hebrew. People didn't know Hebrew. And then there would be someone with a very loud voice and very authoritative who would read out loud or memorize out loud an Aramaic translation, one of the Targumim, and recite it out loud. And apparently we learned from this that there was a rule that the person who was reading the Torah shouldn't correct the translator, perhaps so that people wouldn't think the translation is written in the scroll, that they know the difference between the Hebrew and remember that the uh, Aramaic translations were often greatly embellished and included Midrashim because people shouldn't say that the translation is in any way noted in the Torah. So maybe Rabbi Meir is ruling this way that one should close the scroll so people should not say that the blessings are written in the Torah. And Rabbi Yehuda, what is his reasoning for saying, don't close the Torah, just look at it open and say the blessing forthwith? Well, he believes, probably, that with regard to a translation, that would have made sense that people might make that mistake of assuming there's something in the scroll. While we're, with regard to blessings, it is simply not possible to err. I add to their statement: no one's gonna think that there's a whole series of Torah blessings all the way through the scroll. Rabbi Zerah said in the name of Rab Matnah, the halacha is one who comes to the Torah for an aliyah, opens the scroll, sees the place where one begins to read, and says the bracha for the aliyah, and then reads from the scroll. Therefore, the halakha is in accordance with Rabbi Yehuda. So why is it that some people close the scroll and hold on to it before saying the blessing? Rashi clarifies. So Rashi, you have the the bavli in the middle. On the right side of the page, you've got Rashi. And Rashi says, no one's going to make the mistake that the blessings are written in the scroll. And therefore, the halakha follows Rabbi Yehuda and not Rabbi Meir. The Jerusalem Talmud, not authoritative um, per se for halacha, but a resource nonetheless, says the following. Talmud Megillah, it's the same section, just in the Yerushalmi. There's a teaching that teaches one who comes to the Torah for an aliyah, opens the scroll, sees the place, rolls the scroll closed, and then recites the aliyah. And there is one teaching that teaches one who comes to the Torah for an aliyah, opens it, sees the place, and blesses. Rabbi Zeora Abba Bar Yimriyah said in the name of Ravmatna, Rav Matna, who said in the name of Shmuel. By doing all of that lineage, they're showing that this is probably a pretty authoritative teaching. The halacha is in accordance with open, see, and bless. And what's the reason? It has to do with Nehemiah 8.5. It says, and Ezra opened the Torah scroll, and the entire nation stood, and then he read. So you don't roll it closed. In other words, as the commentary says, regarding Ezra, the people watched Ezra open and blessed with no rolling. All good so far, right? On the other side of the page of Talmud, you get Tosafot, the French commentators on the section. And they mess things up. It is best to close the scroll so ignoramuses don't think the blessings are in the Torah. <laughs> because after all, We can accommodate Rabbi Meir's position, though if you don't, that's okay too. And Rav Yehuda definitely is saying that we must close the scroll afterwards for the second blessing. Where did they get this? So number one, they go to the place that says, oh, come on. We can make everybody happy. Rav Yehuda. We'll keep you happy. They're not gonna think the blessings are in the scroll. And Rabbi Meir, close it, come on. We can do that too. So we can make everybody happy. And, and then they add something. Why do they say that you have to roll the, the scroll closed for the second bracha? It's not in that Talmud at all. From this, we get Rav Sadia Gayon in the post-Talmudic period. The next period is the Gana period, and he publishes a Sidor. And in his famous sidur he says, One should not begin the beginning of the blessings for the Aliyah until you see the verse from which one begins reading, and you should only bless the first blessing with the open scroll in his hands, but the final blessing, you have to cover the Torah scroll. So Sadia follows Tosafot in saying, by the way, whatever you do with the first one, let's say you don't roll it closed, but you got to roll it closed for the second one. So then we get all the medieval legal codes. The famous riff, who basically creates a legal code from the Talmud, says, just go with Rav Yehuda, and we already know that. The Ritbah says, this is all about tircha latzibor. It's all about the fact that the, the, the reading is long enough and the service is long enough. You don't cause delays by opening and closing and finding places and then closing again and finding the place. People will lose their places, and so just leave it open because there's no reason to disrespect the congregation by creating delays. The Rashba, in his legal code, says, One, well, why are we now closing the Torah for the second blessing? Well, that's because there must be a reason, because that's also a delay. So, therefore, it must be that you shouldn't leave the Torah open without being read. And that's why Ron Sussman, if he sees that I'm going to say something like, I really want to say something about the third Aliyah, he rushes and grabs the cover and covers the scroll. (laughs) Because the scroll, seriously, he knows the halacha. If someone starts to make a speech, you cover the scroll. Or if there's going to be a delay. The Me'iri said that we roll the scroll closed during the closing blessing. It is uh, acceptable not to. And we go on from there. Finally, Rabbi Moshe Isserlis, um, the Ashkenazic, standard Ashkenazic commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. And when one blesses the first blessing, one should turn one's face to the side so as not to appear to be blessing by reading the text of the blessing in the Torah. So the Ashkenaz are like, we like Tosafot. We, want, we can get both of these in. We can get Rabbi Meir in. So when you do the blessings, leave the scroll open and turn to your left. <laughs> So if you do that, I know you're 100% Ashkenaz. <laughs> but the other Ashkenazi commentators and halacha codifiers, the Bach and the Taz, say, that doesn't make any sense, ignore Moshe Isra list. don't look to your left, just look at the blessings, right? Then people would be like, I know what Nadav's reading. He's reading the blessings that are sitting right there, and everybody knows they're right there. And the Negeon reminds us that the main principle is not delaying the public. Rabbi Kagan, the author of the Mishnah the law which also covers the standard laws of prayers, recognizes there's a split in authority as to whether to hold the Torah scroll open during the opening blessing. And he says, I refuse to state a personal preference. <laughs> I had one historical fact at the end of that, which is this. Remember this whole introduction of the idea of you have to roll it closed for the second one. Well, let's go back to the Mishnah, pre-Talmud, it came out of the Tosafot. It's nowhere in the Gemara that the Tosafot says it's actually clarifying, and later with Sadia Ga'on. The Mishnah says this a very early source the one who opens and seals, that is, those who begin and end the reading of the Torah, so they're doing the Torah reading, they bless before it and after it. And the Talmud clarifies the one who opens, that is, has the first aliyah to the Torah, blesses before it. And the one who reads the last of the Aliyot does the closing blessing. But now we have changed the custom so that each person does the blessing. So originally, the first blessing, the op- before the Torah reading, there was only done once, And then you waited till the whole Torah reading was done, and the person who read last did the closing blessing, which would make sense why you close the Torah after the final blessing, because there's no reason to leave it open at that time, because there's no more reading to do. So what does this have to do with intent? So it raises the real question. When you live in a community like ours, which like two different traditions, one is you rolled the scroll closed and you do the blessing to show that you're respecting Rabbi Meir, and the other one is you leave it open because clearly that's the Talmud's intent, and that is actually what the halakha is. Mid to late commentators say, when there is a custom of the place and you choose not to do the custom of the place, you have every right to say, I am respecting the tradition of the home I grew up in. And so if someone says, I don't get it, why did we're, we always leave the scroll open and you close it, you have a right to say, that's tradition in my parents' house. But one must be careful that one is not actually practicing yohara, arrogance. That one is not practicing the fact that one's, that one's personal piety is more important than the custom of the place that you're visiting. And so we all balance this in our lives, which is, but I have this custom for my home, and I want to do it. But we can't get in your mind. We don't know whether it's, you're just sitting there saying, "I lo- you may look at me and say, Rav Nadav's not kissing his tzitzit after the Shema. And I would tell you if you ask me, because my father's tradition in my father's home, which he got from Shaul Lieberman at JTS for all of those decades, was, you're so special, you have to kiss your tzitzits? Your personal piety is so arrogant. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, you, you love, your, you love your, your mitzvah better than everybody else. So my father is like, raised me, he's like, you skip it. No kissing of the tzitzit. Let it go. And you may see that sometimes I kiss them, because everyone else is kissing them, and I don't want to be perceived as arrogant, like I'm too good not to kiss my tzitzit. It's like posting a selfie, right? It's like telling everyone I went to Disney World. On the one hand, I just want to say, you know, I mean, I went to Disney World. It was great, and the kids had a great time. On the other hand, I'm not bragging that I have the perfect family, and I don't know what I'm going to be perceived as. So when we deal with minhagim, we're dealing with the fact that no one knows the intent in the mind of the person taking the aliyah, and in various other cases of different custom, going to someone's home who actually has kidney oat on the table during Pesach. And do you say something like, that's the custom of your home, and don't pass me the rice, but I'm good. Pass me the gefilte fish. Or do you say, Get me out. I can't come. I can't come anymore. You know that's, that's straight practically on Pesach. You can't put out bit rice. So you have to know. What, do you know what your intent is? Can you take some ownership over how are you being perceived? And at the end of the day, When we clarify our minhag for how you do a a reading, the idea is we don't want a tircha, we don't want a delay in the service. We don't want to embarrass anyone for losing their place. And so the scroll stays open for the first bracha, if you will honor that. And you read the blessings from the right. And for the second part, you may follow what became probably a confused tradition to. to close it after each one, when originally you only closed it probably after number seven, but you're welcome to respect that because that's an established tradition, but not if the next person coming up is gonna lose their place. The Custom of the place, and be careful how all of us are perceived, online and in shul.